0: This episode is part of a series of curious conversations between creative minds to inspire yours. I hope you enjoy it. Dear Creative Mind, welcome. This podcast is a space I created for us to explore the depth, textures, and intricacies of our creative mind. My name is Pascal, and I'll be your guide helping you navigate your rebellious path. I know our creative mind sometimes gets lost in the maze of our imagination or sidetracked by the stories of our inner critic. On this podcast, you'll find grounding meditations to soothe your mind, coaching notes to help you find more focus and flow, and conversations with other creatives to inspire you in the hopes of helping you better understand and take care of your whole creative self. I really do hope you enjoyed this episode. Today, I'm chatting with Sydney, art therapist and creative coach at My Creative Relief. I've had the pleasure of working with Sydney in the summer of 2021, and I've learned so much from her. That's actually uh, thanks to her guidance that I've started using a therapeutic art approach in my coaching practice this year. Um, So in my coaching approach, I love blending different modalities depending on who I'm working with. Um, So I can use traditional coaching, but also tools from my energy healing training, meditation, and now also therapeutic art exercises. And art therapy has been so useful for me personally to be able to put images on words that I could not express or illustrate feelings that were buried very deep Or become more aware of certain patterns that were keeping me stuck in my life or in my business or in my creative practice. And I loved working with Sydney and I really, really wanted her to be on the podcast to have a conversation with me and all of us. So today we talk about creative spaces. We talk about bringing joy into our creative process. We chat about her story and her journey as a creative entrepreneur that has no background in business, like many of you, and also has a learning disability. And we chat also about her weird passions and interests. So it was a beautiful conversation, and I'm so happy to share it with you today. Sydney, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Of course. How does your creative mind feel today? I would say it actually feels actually
1: calm today which is sometimes shocking. Um, I think because I had my morning routine. So I felt prepared, especially like doing a podcast like this. So right now it feels content, which I like.
0: Absolutely. I love that. And it's something we kind of all aim for as a creative mind to find some calm and some contentment, right?
1: Yeah, because it can definitely, you know, The anxiety and the stress can definitely come our way any moment. So having the space of feeling calm is definitely key. I
0: agree. (laughs) I'm so so curious to learn more about your creative space and your creative process today, Um, especially because at the time of this recording, so I don't know when I'm going to release the episode exactly, but you are in the process of launching a better program, which is all about increasing your productivity through your creative space and your routines and your process and kind of everything that gets in our way as a creative mind. So um, I am part of that program. I think you've done it in such a brilliant way and I cannot wait for the listeners to to learn from you today. Um, But before we dive into all of this, I would love to hear about you as a creative mind, Uh, maybe about your creative work and your journey to get to where you are today so I would Mm -hmm. love it if you could maybe bring us into your creative mind and your creative journey so who is Sydney the creative what is my creative relief about and how did you get there
1: uh so it it like I feel like it was a wild ride to get there um I've always been creative like just always went for materials and I don't think I was I was good with academics but it wasn't my strong point point. and I will say that I was always dreaming or people would say daydreaming and I was always thinking about like how can I be an artist without feeling like a hungry artist mm-hmm. um, and also I wasn't no one really told me what jobs there are in the art world, it was just more about like, okay, if you go, for arts, go to art school, you're going to be that artist, that hungry artist, and that was kind of it, so I was originally going go for being an art teacher, and I went to undergrad, and I could not pass these standardized tests, which was called the praxis. And in order to go on to the next semester, that's how you were able to like, that's how you had to pass. And I couldn't pass. And I remember I was like crying and just really being like, oh, my gosh, I can't pass this. What am I going to do? Um, And I one of my friends, I knew she was going for art therapy and I reached out to her and I said, like, what's the process like? And I found out, like, you didn't need to take a test. So I just, it was like a 360. I just ended up going, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going for art therapy. I am dropping our education. I'm just going to go for art. And I'm going to go to grad school. And I mm-hmm. knew nothing about art therapy at all. Like, I remember getting interviewed and the chair of the department asked me, do you know anything about art therapy? And I was like, "Mm, good question. No, I don't. (laughs) Like, I just, I really, I was so honest, but I I didn't. And because I feel like partly why I changed was because I couldn't practice, like I couldn't um, uh, pass the standardized test, Mm -hmm. which is why I did that. But then I realized like the more I learned about art therapy and And also that it wasn't about the product. It was about experimenting with materials for one's well-being. Um, It felt more like me and I felt like the materials or art making in general for me was something that I always was doing as an expressive way. And I wasn't somebody that expressed my emotions pretty well, it was always in the art making process. So once I went for art therapy, it really clicked with me of, wow, like, this is a job to have. And this is what I love doing. Um, So after I graduated with my master's, I struggled finding jobs, like, Even though I have this title that sounds cool, it's difficult to find jobs in the field, uh, depending, especially depending on where you live. And I started to take on positions that didn't have the title as an art therapist. I was a preschool teacher, a Mm -hmm. behavioral therapist, um, just anything. I got kind of good pitching in interviews and learning how to implement art therapy, instead of focusing more on this is what art therapy does, and it got to the point where I did burn out, and that's where my creative relief started to form. And um, I, you know, I now I feel like with my creative relief, it's always evolving, which is what I like because I feel like that's what my mind does. It goes from mm-hmm. one idea and then it expands onto something else. And now I love focusing on teaching people about art therapy. And if anybody's interested in what art therapy is, I help them, you know, what career paths we can go for. Do you really have to go that route for art therapy? Or is there another way that you can do it where we focus on art as being therapeutic? Mm -hmm. Um, And then also, I think just you know that non-traditional path. I love hearing and learning other people's stories about their non-traditional path and I love working with creative founders that have that drive as well. So um it definitely it was very vulnerable truthfully that whole path, but it it's it feels the most authentic to who I am and um, it's exciting every day really
0: Mm -hmm. because it's different every day (laughs) and it evolves as you said like it expands yeah your own personal journey and your own rebellious path and how it plays out and how it kind of influences your own uh, creative work
1: yeah and I think that it's I think also too, like I don't feel, there, I feel burnt out in a different way, but not burnt out the way that I was working a nine to five job. Mm-hmm. And I feel actually, I have more time to actually work on my own creative projects, as well as developing ideas for my creative relief. And right. I didn't have that before. It was, I was like not working on any of my interests or hobbies. I felt Like I was stuck in a box and now I feel way more um, like, oh, I can do whatever I want. Like, I love that feeling. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
0: Yeah. Like it's you might spend the exact same amount of hours on your work, but it just it feeds you in a different way and it exhausts you in a different way.
1: -hmm.
0: I feel, Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm just very curious, I guess, to hear about what you just said about um, feeling burnt out was different in a nine to five from being an entrepreneur. I'm just so curious to Mm. hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, and it's funny because I actually work with people that are burnt out, but I Mm -hmm. always find that there's a parallel process with my clients, and that's what I love about it too. It's like the feelings that on other creatives feel. I feel too still. It doesn't mean I, I don't mm-hmm. get burnt out or anything. I think that I just, through my process, I've learned to take pauses more um, when I'm feeling that burnout. So when I was working that nine to five job, I felt like I didn't have room for anything. It was very repetitive. It was, and then also I would work overtime a lot and, You know, you're just working around the clock and it's exhausting. And now that I have my own schedule and being an entrepreneur, I can actually breathe more where I can feel that burnout coming. Mm -hmm. So, when I'm, let's just say, like I'm working on a project, and you know how when you work on a project and you're on a roll, and then the next thing you know, you're like, oh my gosh, I've been spending on this project all day. And (laughs) you didn't even, right? Like you don't realize (laughs) that you were working on it all day and there's still that energy where you're saying, but you can keep going. Mm -hmm. And that's where I used to would push through and then I would feel terrible the next day. And now I'm like, wait, why do I feel like I need to push through? The work is always going to be there. Tomorrow's a new day. There's the morning. Now I'm going to hit the pause button and now I'm going to switch into more of my creative play where I'll like Mm. maybe put on a show. I'm currently, I mean, it's summer here, but I'm knitting because I like the fall. (laughs) So, um, So for me, like that's the way that I shift. Like I really am becoming more consciously aware of my burnout thoughts to pause. And that was something I wasn't doing before. Um, and so that's where I feel like, and because you have more of this freedom of being an entrepreneur, it, you can breathe and there is a way to relax. Um, I think in the beginning it's nerve wracking, but mm-hmm. it gets easier where, you know, you use your intentional activities in your creative play to, to hit that pause button. And I wasn't doing that before. If anything, I it was more like anxiety, like, and, um, like couldn't get out of bed type thing. So mm-hmm.
0: thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. And I just want to go back maybe on our therapy, because I'm sure mm-hmm. some listeners might be curious about it. Maybe they have a certain perception of what it is. Um, so for for the people that are not familiar with our therapy, how would you describe it? Mm. So I guess a
1: clinical way would be that art therapy is an integrative approach of using psychology and art based off of an individual's needs in the mental health. So art therapists can diagnose, they can um, analyze clinically through the art you know, process. Um, and it's really interesting to do that. For me, i I really like the aspect of storytelling and hearing about an individual's um, expression more. So I have definitely more of an open studio approach where I like to challenge them through the materials. So just as an example of this, um, let's say somebody's using a uh, pencil per se and um, You know, you can clinically look at that in a, a, you know, mental health way. But for me, I look at it as, oh, this is something that they're familiar with um, because we've been using a pencil for, you know, a very long time. And my goal would be to challenge that individual to start working their way up to maybe paint because paint is more loose. It's wet. And this is how you can challenge an individual through the process. And through that process, you really start to learn more about, you know, their story, um, fears that kind of come up. And it's just an approach that I I really like, because it helps me really understand the individual rather than me developing creative prompts um, that I may have planned beforehand. Like I don't plan any of my sessions. It's, it's like, I'm very trial and error. So I never know what's going to come in. And also just understanding our thoughts, like one week, we may want to talk about this. And then another, you know, a whole week went by and something else may happen. So I feel that my, the best way of doing sessions is, is really just, you know letting the client lead and really actively listening to their story and what comes up. And then that's where I develop more creative prompts later on towards the end of the session. And, um, but that's the cool thing about art therapy. It's everybody has their own definition mm-hmm. because it's so broad in a way. So for me, like my definition may be completely different compared to another art therapist's definition. So, and I think that this is because of where my journey led to. I was focusing more on how art is therapeutic rather than working mm-hmm. in more of mental health facilities. So it makes sense why I see art therapy differently than somebody else who may be more in an um, more in like a community mental health setting. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, that's what art therapy means to me. And I expanded on that with coaching because I felt like for people that may not know about art therapy, you know, who do you reach out to? (laughs) So that's kind of why I um, started to explore more about the teaching aspect of art therapy and developing a taste of it. um, So people can, you know, learn a little bit more
0: about it. Yeah. I don't know if if it's the same for you but what I really love about art therapy or just therapeutic art exercises is especially for us as creative minds we're often kind of stuck there in our thoughts and our yeah. ideas and and kind of ruminating on some some things and we're thinking a lot. We're mm-hmm. up in our heads and I feel those kind of exercises really help you kind of ground back into your body and speak more from your Mm -hmm. heart or just have something to, I don't know how to describe it, but I, Mm. I, for me, it's been very, very helpful in not getting stuck in my head in in a talk therapy would. Mm. Um, So I'm sure a lot of people can benefit from that kind of approach as well. Right. And it's
1: funny, like, and I'm for talk therapy, like, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, but I think, like you said, with our mindset, I know for my mind, I'm more visual. Mm -hmm. So, and then also when we're working with materials, we're really actually bringing out those subconscious thoughts that we may not be able to always express verbally. And the fact, and the fact that, like, you can um, put that out on, the piece of paper that you're doing, whatever project you're doing, that's really the only way that you can talk about it and express it. And it becomes a little bit less challenging for you to get the words out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know that that that's something because we do sometimes we we speak metaphorically, our minds go into like this whole other world at times. And sometimes I know that, you know, if I'm talking to other people, therapist I'm always saying does this make sense what I'm saying because it just feels bizarre (laughs) when what's coming out of my mouth but if you you know meet other creatives and you're expressing it through the art making process it comes more naturally to us and I think it's just our way of learning it's a strength of us and this is how we expand our minds and that is the beauty of art making and and you know, it's not just about the product too. I think if we struggle, I I don't know. I mean, would you consider yourself a perfectionist?
0: Mm, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So like, so me too, me too. (laughs) Like totally. And I feel like that's my creative mind. Like Mm. I am, my thoughts can be so rigid at times. And then that inner critic comes in feeling like you're not good enough. You're not doing this properly, you need to do more. And when I'm actually creating, I can accept my imperfections. Mm -hmm. And that I find is the power of what materials can do for you. Or if you are that perfectionist trying to work with your imperfections, materials can help you communicate how to manage your frustrations in a different way than just always being in your mind. And that's where you get the headache and you get stressed out and you want to lie down. So it allows to really use the front of your brain to uh, make clear decision-making for yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it kind of brings this playfulness aspect and it's very difficult Mm -hmm. to play and be perfectionist at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I love Mm -hmm. the fact that that this kind of, of approach really focuses on joy and playfulness and it just makes it less serious as well when you explore yeah. some parts of yourself or patterns that you want to change. Um, yeah. So I just love this, this aspect of art therapy.
1: Mm. Yeah. I, I, I'm glad that you mentioned the joy piece. I feel like that is a big piece that I focus on in art therapy mm-hmm. like that with anybody that comes in. I focus on joy because we don't really focus on that too much. Like sometimes, you know, we're like thinking a lot about like the end result of being happy. And I don't, I don't know about you, but like happy, I get anxiety hearing that word because it's so (laughs) right. Like it's so big and it's like, what does that mean? Because everybody sees happiness differently, but joy it gives you like this like chuckle, you know, like, yeah. and it feels sweeter and more inviting. And it, I feel like it's a very, uh, it really grounds you and like helps you get grounding into being present again, where happy feels like more of the result, enjoys yeah. the process. Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I don't think we think about joy as much, and um, that's the that's what I like to help people with with um, using materials and not be afraid of using different types of materials because it brings that inner child up, it brings that joy, and it's like you said, it's playful, and um, we don't do enough of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and I love and I think it's so interesting what you just said about it brings you back in the present moment when you focus Mm. on joy. Whereas if you focus on happiness, which is this big, vague thing that feels Mm. heavier, you feel a lot of pressure about it. It kind of puts you in the future and it keeps you in this anxious mode as well, which is not a place where we want to create from.
1: (laughs) No, I feel like that's where you want to, like, just, I like feel it now of that it makes me want to just jump into bed and yeah. like <laughs> and like put the covers over and be like i'm not working today like you know yeah. so but that's how heavy we don't realize that words can really bring us like a feeling that mm-hmm. can put us down and or lift us up but i think that that word like i really try to be careful with that word of happy because that's what we're all looking for. We're all trying to be happy in life. Um, but we don't focus enough on the process mm-hmm. of um, of those yay moments. We're always looking at that success in the end. And it's not going to end. We're always going to be evolving. We're always going to be learning something new. And we should
0: focus more on that than that end piece, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And bringing the these little moments of joy within my creative process has been a huge lesson on my own journey. Mm. So I'm curious to to learn more about yours. Like if you look back on on your own journey, are there some lessons that you would love to share with the listeners? Maybe something that's been helpful for you to like it would have been helpful for you to know back then or to hear.
1: Mm. So I think being in school. I was always taught like how to build skills and techniques. And I think a lot of us, that's what we do. We go to mm-hmm. school for building techniques and skills and, you know, read these books. And, you know, this is what we'll be like in the real world. Um, but what people don't teach us is what, what do we love to do? And what does this do for you? Um, it's always like, this is a way to do it. And I didn't learn until honestly, like maybe even after getting my master's that, you know, you can accept the way that society is and you can create it your own way as well. Um, I was the type that always listened to others. And I also had a learning disability and I still have a learning disability. It's not gone, (laughs) but I always felt like there was a piece of me feeling like I wasn't smart enough. And in order to prove that smartness of being an art therapist or even being an entrepreneur as well, um, I needed to read these books. I needed to do it the way that I was taught. Mm -hmm. And that actually really gave me this negative mindset and very rigid um, mindset as well of, of feeling like this is the way to do it. And when I started forming my creative relief, that's when I started really doing things my own way. And I think I tapped into more of that emotional piece for myself. And I took out any type of like materials that I can get. And I'm a big fan of fabric. And I started to create my own like art journals. And I I really went back into time of Of what like what is the first memory that I actually loved about art making? And I used to make scrapbooks when I was really young because my um my great uncle and aunt would make them and they showed my sister and I how to do it. And then that was like how we got into collage making. I went back to that memory and that's how I started to form. And I connected to that joy again, being like, oh my God, this freedom and this is what I love about art. And I needed that to, to actually fall back in love of being an art therapist and as an entrepreneur and the work that I'm doing. And I don't feel that we, again, like we're not present enough in that process to understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, If somebody asks you, like, how did you graduate with your master's? Like, give me some tips. And usually you don't get tips because it's like you just do it. You just and and that's that's like the and there's nothing wrong with that. That's just what we know. But now I feel like if somebody asks me, well, how do you become an entrepreneur? I feel like I can actually answer that because I really paused and took those stepping stones of how to shift my mindset where I didn't have that aspect before because I just felt like I was on the go constantly, and um, that's how definitely my creative process works. And I don't. I I'm also learning too of like if I need a day just to create for myself, then I will take that day to create for myself and. I'm starting to be more patient with like the emails and, and getting clients and the marketing and all that stuff. I'm learning to be like, this is what I need, not what I want, but mm-hmm. what I need for myself to, um, to feel more comforting with my inner critic and to know that there's always the next day to work on it. It's never going to go away. So um a little bit complex, but it it does become
0: more simple when you're focusing on the process rather than the result of everything. Absolutely. And something I hear from what you're sharing is the maybe the connection piece. Mm. Uh, When I was hearing you talk about your experience in school and how kind of disconnected you were from from the whole thing and and how you learned about being connected to your desires and your needs and who you are and your space and your process the more connected you are the the easier this whole thing becomes in a sense Mm -hmm. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you can relate to that I know that's been helpful for me oh yeah I
1: well I think connection it's like you know you have a relationship with yourself and Mm -hmm. if you're Disconnected with yourself, you will be disconnected with others. You will provide more judgments from others, and it's normal to have judgments. It's not about you never going to have a judgment. It's more about accepting the self judgments that you have and become friendlier with those judgments. And I feel I felt disconnected because I felt stupid. Like I felt mm-hmm. like like I I'm never. I was never a good writer. I mean, I felt like content was always there, but writing was, oh my gosh, it was, um, ugh, it's it's still <laughs> annoying for me, but, but that's also part of like my learning disability. And I think I felt uh, really like embarrassed by that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're getting graded and you see that grade, you feel like that is who you are. Like, if you got that B, no, that's who you are. You're a B like, that's mm. how it felt. And there, so there was always this like striving energy being like, I have to do better. I need to prove that I can do this. But what I was losing was that style of who I am. And that's the part of what do I love? And when I started to connect back into what do I love? I, I built more of this confidence. In myself and realize that I am cam- capable and I am enough and this is school is just a foundation of what you learn but then mm-hmm. after you have endless possibilities and so for me it's like I'm I i do not care if people went to school or didn't go to school I care more about that that self-esteem and confidence and that originality by an individual than anything else and because that can come out and that's why we connect with people as well so absolutely that disconnection was was there for years I think and I have to admit like I think I just started to begin more of that connection and it's it's a weird but cool feeling when you're actually connecting with yourself and not feeling like you're your own worst enemy.
0: <laughs> yeah well thank you so much for sharing that part of your personal journey because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people can relate on different levels and that's exactly what I mean when I talk about you know navigating your rebellious path is, is the rebellious part of it is just like stepping away from the blueprint and the path that Mm-hmm. The linear path that's been carved out for us and kind of finding your own and and finding ways to make it work for you. Like in your case, you're sharing about your learning disability and you have to find ways around it to make your business work. Maybe you're not okay. using writing as much. Maybe you're using more videos or images to to share your right. message. Um, I don't have a learning disability, but I have generalized anxiety and I'm Mm -hmm. very introverted and very sensitive. So I had to also kind of find my own way around it. And I feel that when we don't learn to connect to ourselves and kind of do the work to accept ourselves and and understand our needs and meet our needs, then when we get bombarded by these these advice from the the business Mm -hmm. or the art world. That we cannot really relate to or we're like, well, that doesn't work for me. So that's never going to work out for me. That path can be very, very harmful. So thank you for for sharing that with people because I think a lot of listeners can relate to that.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that's exactly, that's why it's so important to like connect with what path do you want? not what Mm -hmm. other people want. And now we also have social media where it's so easy for us to compare ourselves with others. And I'm guilty of it too. Like it just, it's a natural thing that happens with us. But I think that it's like you said, it's like you have generalized anxiety. So how do you work with that? We don't want to get rid of these things. Mm -hmm. It's more about inviting them and how do we work with it so we can understand. And this actually helps you become better to work with others on what they need as well. So um, I, get, I completely agree with that.
0: Yeah. And it's empowering as well to kind of sit with yourself and understand your needs and find supportive way to, to carve your own path. And like mm-hmm. we talked about the connection piece in terms of connecting with yourself and, and who you are and all of that, but there's also the connection piece in terms of a community. So like mm-hmm. when you are, Carving your own rebellious path like that, it can be a very not lonely journey, but it it can feel like that, and it can be very mm-hmm. it can bring up a lot of anxiety, especially when you venture into the the business world or to launch your own mm-hmm. business, and you have all these possibilities. It's like so many options, so many choices, and it brings up a, a bit of overwhelm and anxiety. So supporting mm-hmm. yourself and finding a community that is on the same kind of journey is super helpful as well. So that's another way of connecting as well that can be helpful as well for for a creative mind to collaborate with other people.
1: Mm, Yeah, no, I I have to say it is very lonely at times when you don't have that community. (laughs) I feel like I started my community on Instagram though. That is the cool thing about social Mm -hmm. media. Like, you know, I met you through Instagram. Um, I met so many people all over. And I never had that before. And I think also being an, an introvert as well, that was I think that Instagram is helpful for like us as introverts to reach out to people because it's not mm-hmm. easy saying, Hey, you like let's hang out or something. Like it's hard. You it know? Hard. So um I feel like in the creative world in general, like you said, is lonely and also developing that community is also lonely and being a business owner is lonely Mm -hmm. because I mean, did anybody teach you how to start a business? Not
0: really. I think you even if like, even if like I had some, uh, some classes and some like trainings about it and I went to business school, but Mm. there's such a big difference about learning it at school and actually doing it (laughs) it's so different like some some of my clients they can feel intimidated by the fact that they have absolutely no background in business or or any of that and and having been there I honestly think the best way to learn is to actually do it um it's so different like it helps but not that much
1: Right. And and like, that's the thing. I never had a, like, I never took any business courses whatsoever. It didn't even cross my mind of having a business because it felt really hard. But when you're in it, you actually see a different perspective. So yeah. it's like, I think whatever you're doing and business is a creative form. Like it definitely is an art form because of like strategy and branding and marketing and all that. But it's, I feel like it is very lonely at times because you just don't know it's working with that unknown. You're yeah. like am I is it going to fail? Is it going to um like you're you're very like goal tasking and I'm not a goal person like I feel like the go- my goals are is the creative play and it it really is it's it's hard. It's not easy, but it's but there is like again, joyful moments of it that you're like, wow, I'm doing it. And you don't need those, you know, business courses or anything, but I do think you need a community. You need support, Mm -hmm. you need guidance because it helps you think and take different directions on your path. So
0: are there some, some practices or routines that, that are helpful for you as an entrepreneur and, and as a creative person that just helps Mm -hmm. you feel more connected to your work or, less lonely or more structured I, I'm just I'm going in many different directions but I'm no it's fine to hear about, <laughs> about your creative space your creative process yeah
1: um so I do a morning routine now I am a night owl so I can easily stay up very late and just get lost and like in my creative play but I do believe in the importance of sleep and <laughs> you know, because you do get very irritable the next day. So I had like a very simple morning routine where I wake up. I don't worry so much about the time um, it's unless I have to wake up at a certain time. And so I usually set it like at a reasonable time for myself and uh, I make coffee and I go to this like little nook area where I'm looking at the window and I see trees and I put on my vinyl record and it's just um, like, that's all I do. And I just sit and I just really absorb what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing. And because usually when I'm waking up, I usually feel like I don't want to do anything. Oh my gosh, it's going to be such a long day. I have to do this. I have to do that. And so having that morning just to myself is where I, it's the, I just need that grounding aspect. And I live with my boyfriend and like, he'll come in and he'll be like, Oh, sorry, you're in your morning routine. And I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> like So, but I think just like having, it doesn't matter if it's 20 minutes, it, even if you do it for two minutes, it's just feeling calm before you're looking at your emails before you're doing everything and i feel that like when that loneliness happens like i feel like there's different ways of looking at loneliness i feel like loneliness can also feel content if that makes mm-hmm. sense like mm-hmm. like sometimes it's like that loneliness where you're like oh my gosh i don't have anybody but for me i actually enjoy being alone um I, like, I get bored, but it's easy for me to solve boredom for me. Yeah. Um, because I'm like, you know what, let me see what's around me. And I use what's around me. But I think the loneliness that I'm talking about is that feeling that, you know, there is a sadness at times, but it's also feeling content. And when I'm feeling that way, that's when I'll go into um, my creative play space. And I may put on a Netflix show, and I am like sewing, or I'm knitting. Uh, That's been like the two big materials that I'm using, or I'll take out my art journals, and I'll look through them again. Um, And that's how I build that connection. So I think it's, again, building that connection with myself rather than others. And when I feel that way, I get this boost of energy where I will actually feel more engaged to to now want to talk to someone else or to feel like well this is a good day so it's almost like an affirmation in a non communicative way mm-hmm. um and yeah that's kind of that that is a practice that I do and i think this practice is mindfulness you know mindfulness isn't about meditation but it's more about being aware of your thoughts and and taking a step back and observing the situation of what you need for yourself. Um, And if you feel like you want to feel that loneliness, go for it. Like it's, it's having compassion, you know, and, and what you need in that moment. So um, those are
0: my practices Mm -hmm. that I do. And, and that practice can look so different from someone else, but Mm -hmm. what I'm hearing from you and what you just mentioned is the mindfulness aspect of it, to be aware of, how you're feeling and and what you need on the moment, and offer it to yourself with compassion. And I think sometimes in the morning we tend to get up and 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 you know work right away or mm-hmm. or connect to our phones before we connect to ourselves, and that can kind of send some oh. not the right kind of uh, of information to our creative mind because we're oh, disconnecting yeah. from how we're feeling and what we need. And what I love about what you just shared is. Well, you mentioned in the morning, I tend to feel like I don't want to do it, uh, like anything. And, and my way of reconnecting to myself and, and having a good day is to ground myself in that space and to put on the vinyl and, and to just stay there in, in my little bubble for a moment. Um, mm-hmm. So what I'm hearing is I am just connecting to how I'm feeling. I'm asking myself, what do I need? And I'm, I'm finding a creative and fun, and joyful way to tend to that need can look very different for someone else. But, but I think that practice is very helpful. So thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's definitely, and I think also just to quickly mention as well, of like that feeling, like it happened today. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do anything today. Like it happens a lot. And it's not because I really don't want to do anything. I think it's like this gatekeeper that comes up of fear of like what, what will my day look like? Is something going to happen? And I think for anxious people like me and and like you as well, (laughs) you know, we're always thinking about like, what is it going to be like? How am I going to be able to cover everything? Or Mm -hmm. am I going to be bad on this podcast? Like, you know, everything Mm -hmm. like that. And there's like that gatekeeper that shuts you down that doesn't want you to do anything the next day. And like, that's why I find like the simple, mood of just going to this comfy chair and just resting with your coffee helps me motivate myself more to get up and and be like oh like I have plenty of time okay what would I like to do now like it's it it, it's a completely different thought process than the minute you're waking up so
0: yeah Yeah. and it's funny that you mentioned that because I'm thinking about it in my my routine in the morning kind of looks the same, but it comes from such a different place. Like I usually wake up and I have all these things I want to do. So it's like, mm-hmm. I want to do everything <laughs> right. with all the things I actually want to do. Uh, so it's just funny to hear about, we have the same kind of morning practice, but it comes from such a different place or need, but it's very helpful to ground. I think that's the main thing.
1: Yes, ground yourself.
0: That's the key. Yeah. Doesn't matter
1: what you do to do like to ground yourself, but exactly in a healthy way
0: and focus on grounding. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is there something you've been curious about when it comes to your creative practice lately, or maybe you want to share something you something weird you're passionate about? Um. So I
1: recently just watched the show Pistol about the Sex Pistols on Hulu. Mm-hmm. I in having, like, I've always been fascinated by time periods, especially time periods that I wasn't, like, I didn't grow up in, I wasn't born in, and ever since I watched that show, I have been just going to craft stores and looking for fabrics that match that, like, 70s punk scene, mm. <laughs> and um it's, I don't know what it is, but it gets me, like, to explore of, like, what would I have been like during that time? Would I I have dressed like that? Or how would my behavior be during that time? Like, uh, my mind goes into, like, a character of, of what would Sydney be during that time period? And, um, I, I don't know if anybody else cares about that. Like, so, so for me, like I'm currently working on like moon ornaments and I've been having these like, you know, darker colors. And I just feel like working on that, I, I don't, I'm still learning through the process of it. I'm I'm not exactly sure exactly why I'm like attracted to making these moon ornaments right now, but I feel like it's unless it's like focusing on that non-traditional rebellious path, you know, I think that's why I was intrigued by the show Pistol, because they are non-traditional, and they are showing a different side, but I think also they're still human beings, where they were sweet, and they had a kindness to them, Um, but the show showed something, like, their clothes showed something different, and so I've been really into, like, Different fashion pieces and how to add that into my art making, mm. um but I'm still learning, so I don't even know if I can give a full
0: answer of why and how and Well, that's why. the beauty of learning, <laughs> right? Exactly. To what are we curious about and kind of why? And sometimes we don't know. Like maybe your moon ornaments and 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 the things that you're creating now. Maybe in a few months you'll realize, oh, that's why I was intrigued like I needed to go there so that I could learn this thing or work with that kind of material or find another style or whatnot but it's always interesting because like our intuition pulls us somewhere our curiosity Mm -hmm. pulls us somewhere and sometimes we don't know why and that's that's also okay
1: (laughs) exactly and it's like I'm making so many of them because I would like to sell them but Mm. I'm like I don't even care if they don't sell i just like I'm just making a whole (laughs) basket full of them and I'm like oh my god I completed one all right let's do another one like I'm just so I'm I'm also curious to see like to look back and be like I keep staring at them and like why why yeah. did I just get this and it was like an aha moment for me and I'm having a blast doing that but I don't know the purpose of it really yet so yeah. so it's it's that's I think why I maybe am curious about these mysterious moon
0: ornaments Mm. i'm creating so we'll see (laughs) yeah well if when you know if you know you'll let us know (laughs) i will definitely (laughs) so as we wrap up this conversation do you have some words of encouragement or maybe a loving reminder that you would like to share with the listeners today Mm. i always like to say be professionally
1: you Mm. meaning if you're focusing, whatever you're doing on your path, whether you want to become a business owner or a creative in products that you're working on or wanting to become a creative coach and art therapist, whatever it is, um, just don't get rid of the you, Mm -hmm. you know, don't feel like you have to have everything. Don't let that imposter syndrome feel like you have to be the expert, be, um, the one that needs to read everything and know everything bring that curiosity and the unknown with you because that's where you're going to get your aha moments and where you're going to um, explore more through the path so Mm -hmm. um, that that's something I say to myself every day be professionally you and I want to share that with others as well.
0: I love that. I think I'm going to use it. Oh, yay. Yeah, go (laughs) for it. (laughs) Such a great piece of advice. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And if the listeners are curious about you and your work, where can they find you?
1: Mm. So you can absolutely go to my website at mycreativerelief.com. And I'm also on Instagram. I don't really use a lot of platforms, but Instagram is my go-to for sure.
0: Mm. Well, thank you so, so much for such a lovely conversation today. Sydney, I really, really appreciate your time and and your wisdom as well. Oh, thank you for having me again. This was great. Thank you for having this conversation or meditation with me today. And because it is a conversation, you're always welcome to reach out and let me know what came up for you. If this episode felt supportive, please share it with a friend and take a quick minute to leave a rating and a review. It means the world to me when you support the podcast. And if you're curious about working with me as your private coach, you can learn more at dearcreativemind.com. That's also where you can find more resources to support you and also join our monthly gathering, The Creative Playground. Thank you so much for being here today and we'll speak again very soon.